Thank you for joining us today. This is Clint Byers, lead pastor of Forward Church. I pray this message blesses and encourages you. I hope it inspires transformative grace in your heart and establishes you even deeper in your new covenant identity in Christ. Now take a deep breath, become aware of God's spirit within you, and enjoy the message. Bring this down to our, our third message, and it's really the, the last message in this series, this series of we need to talk. And typically you hear that, right? Your spouse comes to you, hey, we need to talk. Somebody comes to you, your boss, your friends, we need to talk. That's like a negative thing, right? It's a negative connotation. But if we are regularly communicating with people, if we're challenging and we're affirming and putting love languages and all that stuff into practice. If you're a visitor today and you've kind of missed the last couple of messages, we've gone through the love languages, the five love languages, which is a free assessment that you can take. It's great. The number five, lovelanguages.com. Wednesday night, we went through the DISC profile, D-I-S-C profile of different behavior patterns. If you're still interested in a detailed behavioral profile, let me know. We have links for all of that. You can take it online. It's an incredibly useful resource to know yourself and then also learn your spouses or your environment, people that you're working with, learn their languages, learn behavior patterns for the goal of understanding yourself first and foremost and then letting people be who they are without having to judge them and without having to think that they do things for the exact same reasons that you do things. And we just let people be themselves, right? Let people be free. In fact, the more we know ourselves, the more we're free and comfortable in who we are, the more we can let other people be free in who they are and just release a lot of the tension that we create for ourselves with the relational headbutting that we do, you know? So, especially in marriage. Man, we, we, the, the, the blessing that God gave us of marriage, <clears throat> we complicate it sometimes. We let it become, I'm not going to, th- where's Chris and Callie? This is not, I'm not throwing y'all under the bus because I understand what you're saying. They're joking. They're in, look, she's got her arm around him. They're in love, right? This is not, but but it becomes a negotiation, right? It becomes, this is what I'm going to do, and I, you know I've learned, and you, you, all these walls and barriers and boundaries and hurts and pains, and it just the, the wedge drives and drives and drives, and we either live distant lives, secret lives, or or you know some type of challenge in between us because of how we've reacted to other people just being themselves sometimes. And it's so much easier when you know who you are, which is why we focus so much on identity. I want you firmly planted in the finished work of Jesus. I want you to know that God has delivered you from the power of darkness, translated you into the kingdom of His dear Son. He has cleansed you, given you a new heart, put His Spirit in you, sealed you in that ark hidden with Christ in the Father. I'm always going to touch those bases because we just need to constantly be reminded what He did and who we are. You really are a new creature in Christ, provided you've said yes to Jesus and, and had that born-again experience, right? Sometimes it's a big deal for people and it's instant, and sometimes people transition. I'm not saying being born again is a transition, but, you know, we're all on a journey. But living from who you are in Christ, and then you step toward this world. You start first and foremost, this is who I am. No matter what, this is who I am. I am not my behavior. I am not my failed marriage. I am not my job. I am not my dead man. I am the righteousness of God in Christ. Amen? Independent from anything. And then once you know that, and the more that you know that, and the more that you own that identity, it drives your behaviors. It drives your choices. It drives how you interact with people. 
So you put on the new man and who you are in Christ, righteous, holy, at peace with the Father, one with Christ as he prayed, and you live from that. And my, my desire as a minister is to make those things more practical. In fact, we just shot a video. Tammy and I just, Tammy, wave your hand back there. We just shot a video. She's going to be, more details are going to be coming out, but she's on the transformation train also. You know, she's got a bug for it in a specific area, but she's going to start by helping some of us go through a particular program. Anybody heard of Dr. Caroline Leaf? You know, the neuroscientist, got some great books, Who Switched Off My Brain? Switch on my brain, switch on your brain. She's got an app, 21-day brain detox app. Has anybody gone through the app? Okay, well, so that's what Tammy's going to do is, is facilitate going through that 21-day process uh, through her own Facebook group, and we'll put some links and everything out there. People out there watching online, you're welcome to join as well. <clears throat> that's like a lot for, that's like enough. I'm like done already, right? Sermon number <laughs> But, but all, all for this, that you live well of the salvation that you've been given in Christ, right? So when it talks about being holy as a believer, you're not trying to live up to a standard. You're trying to live well within this gift that has been given to you. You're trying to live in such a way that's honoring to the work that He's done in you and through you, right? You're trying to protect what he's done, not because you might lose it, but because you, you're so thankful and appreciative of this gift of salvation in Christ by grace through faith alone. And the more that you live within that, the more that you understand what happened to you, the more it changes you and transforms you and you live from it. And I'm telling you, that is one of the biggest issues that I see in marriage is people living out of their hurts and their pains, either from their past that they drug into the marriage or stuff that happened in the marriage. You know, so today I just want to talk about the idea of forgiveness. Quick review, the last couple of messages, we started on this passage here. This is Psalm 116, 1 and 2. You know, there, there's, you can look at this theologically, and we should, but you can also look at it relationally. So we learn something about relationship from God reading this. I love the Lord because He heard my voice. I think about that. The psalmist's response to the Father, to God Almighty, is I love Him because He heard me. And specifically, He heard my pleas for mercy, right? He's calling out to God and He's, he's messed up. He did something wrong, did something bad. And so, he's, He loves God because He knows that God will be merciful with Him. He knows that God will see Him and embrace Him, you know. He knows that God will listen. God will... God's, you know, going to take care. God's going to put love first. He's going to reach to him. He, this is why, you know, he's a man after God's own heart. This psalmist here understood God's love for him. So, I love the Lord because he heard my voice, my pleas for mercy. Because he inclined his ear to me, therefore, I will call on him as long as I live. And so, we've gone through this idea of if there's difficulty or or blocks or barriers in your marriage and you feel like you can't be open with your spouse or you feel like your spouse is not being open with you, there's a whole host of issues that could be there, but we came down to a question, are you a safe person for your spouse to be able to come to? Does your spouse believe that you hear them? Because the psalmist believed that God heard him because... And the response was love, right? So here's the idea. When you believe that people hear you and you believe that people actually care about you, you're going to be open. You're going to be more open in going to them. 
And so in our marriages, now I get it, stuff happens. All things being equal, people are working toward the same trail. I got, I realize there are difficult, extenuating difficulties in marriage that, you know, there's nuance to all of this. So I'm kind of preaching a generality here. But the more open and receiving we are of our spouses, the more honest they're going to be. And the more honest they are, the more honest they'll be with themselves. And the more honest they are with themselves, the more honest they'll be with the Father. And the more honest they are with the Father, they'll yield themselves to His transformation. And, and that person hopefully learns they don't have to shift and dodge and respond and protect and all these defense mechanisms that we learn from either childhood or whatever, right? Love can actually break through that stuff. First and foremost, God's love for us, but our love for other people. Where we're going to end today is the idea that love brings wholeness. Love brings restoration. Love gives the opportunity for reconciliation between two willing parties. So out of this idea, we came to seek to understand, then seek to be understood. And we looked at some of the uh, Stephen Covey stuff. I think that's habit number five. When you're listening, when you're speaking, relationships in general, especially marriage, do you actually understand their point? Do you understand their struggle? And, you know, we kind of play around with the idea. Fixers want to fix. Like, if you're going to tell me your problem, that must mean you want me to give you a solution. Right? Like, otherwise, why would you be talking about it? But that's where the different behavior patterns, the different love languages, different communication styles all come in. So listen, right? And, and, and we learn to ask how do you want me to respond here? You know, like, because we think certain kinds of communication is illegal. Like, like you're not supposed to be able to say exactly what you're thinking. Like, there's some kind of dance that you're just supposed to know. Well, he should just know. Well, why should he know? Right? So, kind of review. And then, last week, we came down to this idea. We looked at Jesus talking about, remove the plank from your own eye before you see to get the speck out of the other person's eye. And typically, the plank that's in your eye, blocking you from being able to help that person clear the speck out of their own eye, is your judgment about that person. It could be your own issue, your own behavior. Of course, it applies to that. But by and large, when you're seeking to take the speck out of this person's eye, this big board that you have that you're trying to reach through to help them is your judgment about that person and how you're reacting and framing that person into a box. You know, if you're approaching a person and you instantly demote them or devalue them because of what they're going through, you're going to feel that. There's an inner, you know, I love the quantum stuff that we're learning and the brain science stuff that we're learning. You know, they're, we're putting out energy and those, those energies actually mean, you know, are, are communicative. There, there's, a, there's a form of communication in what it is that we're putting out. I'm not talking about auras or any of that mystical stuff. I'm talking about science. Scientifically, you measure the heart uh, e electrically, and it puts out an impulse. And what they're realizing now is those brain and heart impulses are in alignment energetically with your thoughts and your beliefs. And so we, we feel each other. You feel me? Right? We, we actually do. Now, that's just one way. It's subconscious. You can't try to control or feel like you've got that language figured out. Maybe you do. I don't know. But there's more going on here. So here's the point. You go towards somebody full of judgment for that person. They're, you know, there's, I don't know. But you go toward them open in love. To me, personally, I think there's an energetic to love, especially when you're aware of God's love for you. 
and you approach that person out of that love, knowing God's love for you, and you're wanting this person, you're genuinely open to this person. It communicates. It does. It affects. Try it. You know, when, you're, when you have somebody that you need to help or address or rebuke as we're about to look at, and you do it in love versus anger or anything else other than love, you know, it, it constricts the success rate of it. So we came down to the idea love goes first. Somebody's going to have to go first. This week, I want to talk about love keeps no record of wrongs. I, I understand. I get it. You know, some of you wives are sitting there going, but he, but he keeps doing it. But he keeps doing it. Well, you know, there's, you got to apply some wisdom. You know, there's boundaries. There's health. We're not doormats. You're not codependent. It's not your job to let them run all over you. But all things being equal, running toward the same direction, love keeps no record of wrongs. I'm going to keep going. And so God shows us the way. And here I have a, that's a lot of review, a lot of, a lot I just said. But there's one idea that I want to get down to, and this is the one thing that I want to say today, and I'm going to expound on it a little bit. But God shows us the way of how to do this, just talking about forgiveness in relationships. Watch this. This is really interesting. So I'm about to read in Isaiah 43. Isaiah 43, in this particular section, God is speaking, and He's prophesying through Isaiah, and He's talking to the nation of Israel, and He says... He's, a, he's basically got all these charges against them. You know, you guys keep turning back to idols and you're not entering into the relationship in a healthy way that I have defined for us to have this relationship. And he's, he's basically speaking to the injustice and the adulterous nature of the Israelites in this relationship, basically. So in a sense, you could, and God uses this language himself. God uses the language of adultery in marriage in covenantal language, right? I mean, he promises that under the new covenant, he would be our husband. You know, we look forward to the, the marriage, right? The, the, the ceremony of the union of God with his bride for all eternity. He describes it as that type of union. I mean, it's so personal and deeply connected. And, and, and it's like, if, you know, so let me keep going here. Isaiah 43, 24, that's the heart that God has toward them. He feels that they have been in an adulterous, you know, out playing with idols and stuff and rejecting His law and His word and, and distancing themselves from Him and floundering around in sin. You know, relate this to your own marriage. I hope some of that you can't relate to in your marriage. You know what I'm saying? But, but it applies in some way. In some way, there's this kind of distance. Or even in your relationships, there's some kind of distance. You know, you're not really honoring this relationship. That's how God feels. And watch what he says. I, even I, am he who blots out your transgressions. He says, forgives your transgressions, forgives your sins, in other translations, for my own sake. And remembers your sins no more. For my own sake. God forgives you for your own, for his own sake. Isn't that really interesting? Now think about that. There's a psychological mechanism there. Because if you are holding that person's sin against them, you can't truly forgive them, and you can't truly open up to them for actual reconciliation to happen. And this is what God does for us. This is what you know, this is a nuance of the gospel that people miss. God forgave the planet, 
past, present, future in Christ. Jesus is the once sufficient sin offering for all. Amen? For you. Now, whether people actually receive the salvation that's available because of that or not, they stand forgiven. People have a hard time with that. The, it, but there, you, what you've got to realize is there's a difference between being forgiven and then being made righteous. So what God does is He removes it all. Anything that He's got against you, He put in Jesus, and Jesus dealt with it, became it, and died, paid that penalty. There is a justice aspect of the cross. There is a penalty aspect of the cross. But Jesus took it and bore it all. Amen? He just did. And that leaves every person on the planet forgiven. In other words, the promise of the new covenant, I will no longer hold your sin against you. Now, then we realize in 1 Corinthians 5, then because we carry that message to go into the world and tell people, look, you're forgiven. God loves you. He wants you in relationship with Him. And we, carry, we walk in the ministry of reconciliation to go into the world and say, look, God's not holding your sin against you any longer. However, you need to be reconciled to Him. You in your heart need to repent, turn away from your enmity with God. In other words, that you know, enmity is oil and water, right? Oil and water, you put them in a thing, you shake it up and, and they mix, but then they separate because they're two different natures. They're two different things. They cannot cohabitate. That's how we, were, that's how we before being born again, are with God. It's not necessarily that you're separated from Him because you're evil, although there's an element of it. It's just that you cannot cohabitate with Him because you're a different kind of substance. You're a different kind of nature. And so, this circumcision, this surgery that God does on you, He changes the kind of being that you are. He removes that nature of sin, the body of flesh, it's called in Colossians. He puts His heart in you. He puts His Spirit in you. And there's that mingling in that eternal inner man aspect of you that then becomes one with Him. And you are no longer at enmity with God, not able to mix. And it's something that happens completely independent from your behavior. Isn't that incredible? And then from there on, He wants you to live from that oil. He wants you to live from that spirit that has been placed in you in the newness of life. And it's not some mystical process that you've got to figure out how to work the gifts of the spirit. That's part of it. But it's living from your nature. It's living change. It's living in a reconciled, whole, healthy relationship with the Father. Amen? This is what we get to do in our marriages. In your marriage, you, may, you have been made one. It's a, it's a mystery. You have been joined to your spouse. What a blessing. It's not a negotiation. It's not a, you know, there are some compromises, but you hear all these words and these things taught, and it's like, no, you are one. You are joined to this person. You, you have been intermingled in your spirit just like God intermingles us. It's a mystery. We don't, you know, it's just aspects that we can't articulate and describe. Words lack the depth of, you know, it's a spirit, it's spiritual. And you can only understand and perceive. You can't really always articulate it. You can, but then it's different. It's deeper. So there's this union that we have with our spouses. And it's, and it's you know, I, I know some of you have lost spouses, several of you, and, it, and it's hard to preach these kinds of things, but I also wanted to show it as a reflection of this is who we are with the Father, and this is who we are with one another. 
So those of you, people watching online, I know several people that are like, you know, pre-divorce, and, and that's not funny, I'm just saying it. I mean, people are struggling right now. There's an opportunity for you to be reconciled to your spouse. Yes, there are injustices that happen. Yes, difficulties happen. Yes, you might have grounds for divorce. That's up to you to walk those things out if it's healthy. All of the details, I get it. Think them through, talk them through. But, man, if there's this union and this miracle that has happened within us, and it is so with us and the Father, what if in marriage we held on to it as tightly as we hold on to the belief that our salvation is confident in the Father because of what Christ has done? And the same kind of union we have in our marriage, it's a blessing. It's an incredible blessing to be able to have this gift no matter what. But if both aren't honoring it, that's where the difficulty comes in, right? For, for the Father, the Israelites were not honoring this relationship. They were off. They were into perversion. They were into all these different things. And so what, you know, God divorced himself from them. You do realize that, right? God uses the language that he divorced the nation of Israel. Pretty powerful. And I'm not trying to advocate for divorce. You know, I'm just, I'm just making the point that God even takes relationships seriously. So there is honor due within this union. <laughs> But, but if we put that union in the right perspective in our hearts and our minds as we're dealing with our issues, we understand the reconciliation that can happen because of this union. So, <clears throat> a little bit more on forgiveness. Forgive for your own sake first, then you're free to love and release the hurt and the pain. Forgive for you. Forgive for you. Watch this. Luke 17, 3, Jesus says, Guard your souls. Another translation, he says, take heed when your brother sin against you. Guard your souls. If your brother should sin, rebuke him. If he repents, forgive him. But here's the warning. Here's the emphasis. You guard your soul when somebody sins against you. You. You know, it's like, well, no, God, they better watch out. They sinned against me. He's, he's like, you let me handle that. I'm their God. You are not. You put them in my hands. You watch out for you. You're forgiving because it's in the character of God to forgive also, but even God himself forgave for his own sake to get it out, right? That unforgiveness that sits inside of you and it builds and it festers, even if it's justified, let it go. Forgive. You know, you got to send it away. That's, e that's even what forgiveness means. It means to send it away. You know, don't raise your hand, but how many of you still feel the pain of an injustice against you? No, not even in marriage. You know, not even in marriage, just relationships in general. Maybe your children, your spouse, your friends, your boss, whatever, your parents. Oh boy, your parents. We gotta let it go. Well, then that, but but I need to. They need to be. They need to know. Well, you know, let the Holy Spirit deal with them. But ultimately, what it comes down to is we feel like we want to punish them because because of, to make me feel better, right? And we know this. You, this is nothing new. You've not. This is not. You know, some of if you, maybe some of you younger ones you hadn't heard some of these things, but it's a good reminder. And I want to couch it in the context of God. God got it out of Himself. He let go of that. 
that what he was holding against them because he knew there would be a better way, a new covenant, a new kind of marriage based on better promises. He even looked forward to that, you know, through Ezekiel, Jeremiah, Isaiah. He prophesied about the tenets of this new covenant. There will be a time coming. Well, I will join myself to you in this new covenant based on new and better promises, and it will be an everlasting covenant of peace. And in this covenant, I will give you a new heart, and I'll put my spirit within you, and I'll write my laws, my moral code, everything that I, that I need you to be, I will put in you. It will no longer be an external list of rules that you've got to live up to. I, every, I, every, God says, everything I need you to be, I will put in you. And then you choose to live from that. You choose to honor that. And as you do, as you turn your heart toward Him, that grace comes alive and you live within it. It's just a spiritual reality. It's a promise. Amen? So, the warning is for the one who is sinned against. Now, talking about forgiveness, and this is what we do here, right? So, Jesus says, so Jesus is teaching, forgive, right? And then Peter comes back and asks this question, as we all ask. Peter came to him and said, Lord, how often... Right? Let me get the details right here. Like, like, how many times here, Lord, am I supposed to forgive this knucklehead? Right? And, he, and he says, seven? How about seven? Should I forgive him seven? So, Lord, how often shall, I, how, shall my brother sin against me and I forgive him? Up to seven times? Jesus said, I don't say to you up to seven, but up to 70 times seven. This is a... Uh, an Aramaic or even Hebrew colloquialism, easy for me to say. That means, you know, like we would say, well, forever, or, you know, 10,000, we come up with some number, you know. He's basically saying, yeah, not, no, not just 400, okay, so 491, that's it. He doesn't do that to us, right? Now, unfortunately, the legalistic mind thinks, well, but at some point they're getting away with sin. Right? You preach the gospel accurately, and like Paul, people will think, well, should we continue in sin? The grace may abound. Well, no. What? What? Oh, I, oh, I see. You're still thinking under the law. You haven't really renewed your mind yet to this new covenant. Oh, okay, let me work. You know, you start, you got to piece it together. Unfortunately, people are still stuck under an old marriage that, had, that God divorced himself out of that. We are in this healthy relationship with the Father where He is not holding our sin against us. Now, I don't know about you, but that doesn't make me want to run out and sin. That makes me want to protect my heart, this place, this new thing that He's given me, and live well in honoring of that, right? Like, the more open and loving Sarah is toward me, the more open and loving I want to be toward her. It's reciprocal, right? And so God just loves us, you know, just a fire hose of love. First, while we were dead in our sin, died for us. Then we read this here. You know, this is, this is again, one of those, you read Jesus and he says, forgive or your father won't forgive you, right? What we have to understand is that it wasn't that Jesus was wrong, but he was exposing you know, teaching expositorily the law fully, to fully expose what the law was supposed to be. But after his death, burial, and resurrection, 
some tenets of how God relates to us do change. Specifically, forgiveness. Jesus had not yet died and been that once and one time for all sacrifice for all sin, right? So that's people get confused, right? They read Jesus and they're, well, he said this, but then Paul says this. It's not that he was wrong. God didn't change. The relationship changed. Jesus changed everything. Jesus changed how God relates to mankind. Amen? So, so then you get this. This is the reality which we live in. I'll just read the last of it. That you forgive one another just as God through Christ has forgiven you. All right, so let's read this. Get rid of all bitterness, rage, anger, harsh words, and slander, as well as types of behavior. Now, this is not just talking about the bitterness, rage, and anger, and harsh words that you spew, but that have been spewed towards you. Get rid of it. Forgive it. Send it away. Contextually, that's what he's talking about. These things that have been said about you, well, but they said this about me. They did this, don't you know? Well, yeah, you know, they spit on Jesus. They killed him. Well, you're there, but they're going to get away with it. Shouldn't I tell somebody? Well, you know, God knows. God knows. Give them to him. God, you know, God's not mocked. They're going to reap what they sow. Right? But they got that stuff inside of them they got to deal with. Don't let it stick to you. You know, I, I love this. There's this picture, and, and, it's, and I think it even relates to this. Jesus says, the enemy comes, and he has nothing in me. There's nothing that can stick to him to cause that stuff to fester within him. That bitterness, that anger, you know. I mean, think about what he knew. I mean, the man could hear people's thoughts. Did y'all catch that? Like those people that don't like you and you're around them? What if you could hear their thoughts? A lot of us would probably train MMA a lot more because there'd be a lot more fighting, right? I mean, think about it. What if you could hear people's thoughts that didn't like you? Much less the things that they do and actually say. You'd have some choices to make, right? I just made everybody suspicious of everybody. I didn't, I didn't really, I didn't really, that wasn't really the point. But you know what I'm saying. All that stuff, right? The stuff that we hold within us that just grows and festers and robs our joy and constricts our ability to reflect back to them the love of God that actually will bring them to a place, a choice of wholeness, right? You model to them wholeness in relationship with yourself, and they may turn toward the Lord as well for that wholeness. <clears throat> this is our last verse, 1 Corinthians 13, 5, just as a model of love. It's, a, it's in the very description. Love does not dishonor others. Hello. This is, if you, if you want some ammunition against your spouse, this would be it. And the only thing that you might have right to say is, look, that's, your behavior is dishonoring our relationship. You need to go deal with it. Because, because it says that. Wait, I think I missed a verse here. No, no, no. Uh, where it does say, guard your soul. Uh, you know, protect yourself. Take heed. Rebuke. And expect repentance. Respect a change of mind, a change of behavior. And if they turn, then 
you engage in that relationship. But you don't, it's not, you're still sending the forgiveness away. This doesn't mean that you keep punishing them if they don't choose reconciliation. This doesn't mean that you keep holding it against them. You got to let it go for yourself. If, if somebody has wronged you and you're holding on to it and you've gone to them and appropriately gone through this process of confronting and challenging, honestly and openly out of love, and you might have some other emotions that you got to deal with here, now it's on them. You, you get it out. Now, I don't mean you just, you know, blah, you just throw up on them and get, get your anger out. I mean, you genuinely process it and you let it go. But you have the mature adult responsibility to go to them. I mean, Jesus says that. You see your brother caught in a sin? Go. Deal with it. And then there's an order. There's a process there for that, right? Ultimately to, look, I'm dealing with my part of this. I'm dealing with my part. I'm letting you know what you're doing. And I'll, but you see, a lot of us don't do that. A lot of us don't go to our spouses and say, you know, either we're, we're codependent, we don't want to hurt their feelings, we feel like it's going to start a fight. We're all these other things that we hold in for all kinds of different reasons. The reason you hold them in is because you haven't let it go in and of yourself, gotten to a place of pure single-mindedness of love toward them where you can trust yourself to go toward them and handle it and deal with it. You see what I'm saying? Now, I realize that other person might be the shiftiest son of a gun on the planet and they're really hard to talk to and they're always going to put it back on you. You know what I mean? Some of you are married to those people too. But, but, but the way that you approach them, if you are single-minded in love toward them, then all you have, all you can do is just be honest and go and deal with it. And a lot of times, you know, when they're confronted with the truth, it might hurt, but it gives them an opportunity to deal with it. And prayerfully, it brings back to reconciliation. That's what the Father did for us. Released it all. Doesn't hold it in himself. He says, I remember your sins no more. It doesn't mean that he doesn't see them. He sees them. Absolutely, he sees them. But remember means to rehearse, to think about it, to dwell on over and 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 over. And that's what, that, but that's what we do. We hold on to things that people have done wrong to us especially when they never change. That's the hardest thing, right? Somebody hurts you, and, but they don't change. You're stuck in the pain, right? You're, you're part of the damage. But if you can let it go, I'm telling you, trauma, abuse, injustice, all of this stuff, it works all the same way if you can forgive and let it go. And the reason that you can forgive is because God forgave you in Christ. That's what he says here. Forgive one another. Get rid of bitterness, rage, anger, harsh words, slander, as well as types of evil behavior. Instead, be kind to each other, tender-hearted, forgiving one another, just as God through Christ has forgiven you. It's the model to remember no more, to rehearse it no more, to rehash it no more. For your own sake, just like God, I'm forgiving them for my own sake. When you dwell on the pain someone else caused, you disempower love. Forgive, hold them accountable, and love fully. And love will bring wholeness, right? At least create the opportunity for wholeness, which is what we want. I think if we were to bring this down to any one specific thing, it really, too, it's to remember 
God forgave for his own sake. He didn't want that stuff festering within him, and he had the right to. He's God. He is the judge, right? But he judged Christ. Now, the fi- I just because I can hear people thinking about just the final judgment, yes, that's coming, but that's not for behavior. That's not for all of this stuff. That's for righteousness. In that final judgment, the spreading of the sheep and the goats and goats into the lake of fire is coming, absolutely. But that is judged on righteousness, which only comes one way, whether or not you said yes to Jesus. All of the sin and all of that stuff has already been punished in Jesus. That final judgment is whether or not you've been born again. Don't miss that one. But love brings wholeness. Love brings us to a place where, you know, you're free. It's not, it's not, it doesn't define me. This thing they did to me, I'm going to let it go. I'm the righteousness of God in Christ. Yes, they abused me. Yes, there is a trauma that I have within me. And I might need to go and deal with that thing. I might need to get some help. I might need to go to whatever it takes for me to deal with these things inside of me because what was done to me. But the greatest way to let go of it is redefine who you are through what Christ has done in you. Then you can let it go, you know? Like Jesus, the enemy comes, there's nothing in me. There's nothing in me that wants to punish this person any longer. You know, they're hurting. You get to a point, it's like you see them through what, you know, that's, that's their stuff. It's not my stuff. It's their stuff. I'm going to let it go. I'm sending it away. Fight. Guard your own heart. Protect yourself. Amen? And then, and really only then, you're in a position to reflect that love toward that person, which can really ultimately bring reconciliation. I mean, some of the deepest relationships that I've encountered are people that have gone through deep hurt toward one another and they go through that process there's a couple that, man, I don't want to go too long into this, but I'll just recommend this book. It's called Marriage Undercover, um, The Meisners, M-E-I-S-N-E-R. If you want to, this guy, you hear, the, you hear their story, and when you hear their story, even though they're reconciled, you listen to her preach, and you judge her. Then you listen to him preach, and you realize what a doofus you are for having judged her, and you listen to him preach, and you realize... I, I don't think I ever even knew what forgiveness was after listening to this man. It's, it's incredible the depth to which forgiveness toward others can really uproot all of that junk that drives so much of our lives still. But you can let it go. And I'll, I'll end with this. The more you understand and can live within God's forgiveness of you through Christ, the more you can turn that and display that toward others. You're not a doormat, not creating codependency, all of that being said, but it's true. The more you can internalize and identify with his suffering, what he went through for you, you don't have a right to hold people's sin against them. You, you don't, it's, not, it's not on you to have to hold that. No matter how horrible it was, no matter how fresh it still is, it's, you, you have to rest within that forgiveness of God toward you and you can release that toward them. They need it. It's difficult. It's, it's, that person needs to experience your forgiveness because they're holding it against themselves. They're hindering themselves from even being reconciled to God. They need to experience that forgiveness from you. And then it's up to them. You still might have your choices to make. I get that. There's, there's, you, got, you, know, you might have some difficult choices, but you 
Got to let it go. And not just let it go, but actually process through it. Live within God's forgiveness of you. Forgive one another. Be tender-hearted as He is towards you. Forgive as He forgave you. Let it go. How many of you are singing Frozen now? Let it go. <laughs> Amen? Amen? Let's make a decision here. and Just close your eyes for a minute. And this might be challenging for some of you, but think about it. If you're in this place today and you have someone in your life, you have a hurt and you have a pain, and you're, you might not be able to fully let it go right now. I'm not asking you to do that. But what I'm asking you to do is this. Be willing to let it go. Be willing to send it away. Be willing to not continue to rehearse it and rehearse it over and over. Be willing to believe that there is a healing that you can experience because Christ died for you and removed your sin from you. You can let go of this pain. You know, if you're in here or you're watching online and you're listening and you're willing to make that decision to, to let God's forgiveness towards you be such an example where you can release this, you might not even know how. The Holy Spirit is the teacher. Just tell Him right now, I am willing to let this go. I'm willing to send this way. Send this away. Help me, Holy Spirit, process through this pain and this trauma and this abuse. Help me find that place of wholeness between you and me inwardly. And then show me how to live in forgiveness toward this situation. And if that's you, just acknowledge in your heart, I am willing. Amen. Thank you for taking the time to listen to this message. And thank you to those of you who support Forward Ministries financially. You truly are changing the way the world sees God. You're helping people detox from performance-based religion and experience God's love for them. We're committed to helping you renew your mind so you'll experience transformation and move forward in every area of your life. I pray you're making this heart journey. Visit my website at clintbyers.com for hundreds of free teachings and articles that will empower you to renew your mind and put on your eternal identity in Christ. I'm especially excited about my tools for transformation that have original music and modern technology designed to help you slow down and connect with the Spirit of God in your heart. I'd like to invite you to partner with Forward Ministries. Help us continue to spread the gospel and develop resources that are empowering people to grow in their identity in Christ. Thank you again for joining me. I pray God's blessings and promises over you and your family today.